So I love that you guys have been talking about why gather. I mean, it is such a vital part of who we are as Christians, gathering together and what we have others need. Sometimes we can get so comfortable in gathering together that we forget what we have is priceless as church family, right? Like church family, we show up for one another, don't we? Or if we don't, we do. (laughs) But you have something that others need around you, and that is Jesus. You know, I myself, as you know, we've been, um, we're going to start C3 Henley Beach. And I've been looking into why gather. And I tell you, it's so funny when you step out and you do something, it's like, you know why, but then when the rubber hits the road, it's kind of like the enemy comes to really bring in the lies, right? And I can remember the first time that I sat down at the computer and I was started doing, you know, a bit of research about stuff uh, to do with Henley Beach and, and what we're going to do for like socials and letting people know, whatever. And I tell you, the warfare that came that day was something of like a ton of bricks. And it literally felt like it squished me. And the lies that came were something along this lines. <laughs> Why would anyone come and join a new church plant? Like, why? why? Why would anyone come and join your church plant? Like, they don't even know you. No one knows you, Stacey. You wouldn't even join your own church plant. <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> They're going to join a more established church with people in it. They're not going to come to yours. They were the lies. So what do we know about lies? The enemy brings them. But what do we need to do with lies? We need to replace them with truth. The Word of God. So I went to the Word of God and I started studying the book of Acts and how the church was birthed and started with 12 disciples. I'm giving you a crash course here, guys, just so just bear with me for time's sake. 12 disciples and you got 120 in the upper room, which turned into 3,000, it says, the number being added to them daily. Then 5,000 after Peter preaches, gets arrested. I mean, things were happening. But God is the one that builds his church. But we are the people that spread the good news by how our mouths, talking, telling people about Jesus, letting people know what he has done in our lives. And so I look through the New Testament and I see time and time again where Jesus turns up to places and there are so many people. How do people know he was going to be there? Facebook, Insta spam. I mean, come on. (laughs) No, it was word of mouth. And all through the New Testament, there are times where Jesus is like, you know, healed a blind man. And he's like, look, just don't go and tell anyone. Let's just stop and think about that for a second. Here's a blind guy that would have sat in the same clothes, beggar's clothes, to identify him as a beggar, in the same spot, day in, day out, his whole life, right? He gets healed. He meets Jesus. He gets miraculously, his sight comes back. Can you imagine the next day, you know, little Johnny's not, not little Johnny, but Johnny's not there in his beggar's clothes and everyone just keeps walking, doesn't really even, oh, Johnny's not there today, huh? Weird, something awkward might have happened. Hmm. Then next week they see him at the marketplace, like uh, Johnny's looking at the fruit, like, oh, look at this, you know? Johnny, what, have you been telling porkies your whole life? 
like you don't even have your beggar's rags on. Like what's going on? Can you imagine if he's like, um, sorry, can't say anything. <laughs> like, no, you are so pumped. You just got your sight. You are telling everyone what happened. Who healed you? What happened? This is what happened. This is where I was. You'd be telling everyone. You'd be going nuts. Would you not? But Jesus did it because he knew that in the next city he'd be swamped by people, right? And he wouldn't be able to enter cities because he'd be so swamped by people. But this is how word got around. People were talking all the time. They'd be in the marketplace and people would be talking about Jesus, Jesus. And people would overhear it, Jesus, oh, you know. But then three or four times later, Jesus, okay, what is this Jesus thing? Okay, so we were in the city yesterday, right? There was a giant game of Cluedo happening. Did anyone participate? I, we were so confused. There were people with hats on, trench coats on. And the, the funniest part was uh, we, we went to Central Markets and they literally were everywhere. And do you know what I did? I was brave enough and I asked the person in front of me who had a hat and a trench coat on. I was like, so what's all this? And he's like, excuse me? I'm like, oh, your hat and your trench coat. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, is that all part of it? <laughs> And he's like, um, and his girlfriend was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, darn it. I've, <laughs> I've asked the only person in Adelaide with a hat and a trench gone who is not participating in this whole thing. <laughs> anyway, it was a good laugh. Um, my husband was only slightly embarrassed. He's like, Stacey. <laughs> anyway, it was a giant game included. But word got around, right? People were starting to notice things. People were talking. That was a side, side note. <laughs> it was so funny. People were dressed up as Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Don't. Please don't. <laughs> anyway. But people were talking. Why gather? We have what others need. We have what others need. Here we come to Mark 2. If you've got your Bibles, open them up. Mark 2. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard, everyone say heard, that he had come home. So many gathered, there was no room, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. You know, I can imagine this house, and it is so jam-packed full. Like, I mean, there is not even room outside the door, the Bible says. And have you ever seen those um, the Japanese subway trains and like three people get off and then like 30 people decide they're going to fit in that three spaces, right? And they all squish in and they're like half hanging out the door. Then the guards come up and they're like, <laughs> trying to squeeze and somehow those 30 people squish into those three spaces. I don't know how, but that's what I see in this passage. And so here, no room around anywhere. Four guys arrive with their friend who is a paralytic. This paralytic wants healing. That's what he needs. He comes, he's on the stretch of the four boys... <laughs> Four guys bring their friend on the stretcher and they assess the situation. Right, there is no room. Okay, what are we going to do, boys? What are we going to do? No ramps, no wheelchair access, no, no. Okay, one of them says, one on the roof. Roof? 
Yeah, why not roof? All right, let's 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 go to the roof. So they decide, you know what, we're going to do the roof. We're going to do the roof. Okay, so uh, we'll take our belts off. We'll lower him down. Guys, what if we drop him? Like, that's a bit awkward, right? Well, one of them says, <laughs> he's already a bit broken. He's not going to feel a thing. Don't worry. You know what's good? Yep, cool. What if we, like, drop him and he dies? Look, I've also heard <laughs> that Jesus raises people from the dead. So either way, we are winners. We're going to be good. All right, let's do it. So they all decide this is what we're going to do. Let's do it. So they, they lower him down. And then it goes to this part. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Then further on it says, I tell you to get up, take your mat, go home. And he took up his mat and walked out in, few, in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Here is this guy. He wants healing, but his friends knew what he actually needed. He needed to meet Jesus. And he met Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Because of their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. They knew his first point of connection needed to be meeting Jesus. That's what he needed. Yes, he wanted healing, but what he actually needed was Jesus. Because when you... Do one before the other, it flows. You meet Jesus, he knew that his biggest thing that he needed was to be connected to Jesus, to have eternal salvation. And then as a result, the healing flowed. But can I tell you, they counted on him walking out that day. Can you imagine them trying to haul him back up? No, they knew that guy was going to be walking out of that. That very mat that he got carried in on, he walked out carrying. We have what others need, and that is Jesus. He wanted healing. He wanted freedom. He wanted finance. He wanted to be walking around with his friends. But his friends knew that he needed Jesus, because out of meeting Jesus, then the healing would flow. One needed to come before the other. You know, what I know is that you have been strategically placed where you are situated, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your sports club, in your university, in your schools. Why? Because I can tell you what everyone really wants. They want financial freedom. They want freedom. They want peace. They want joy. They want happiness. They want to have freedom. They want fulfillment. They want security. They want passion. They want all these things. But do you know what they need? They need Jesus. And what do you have that they, ha that they need? Jesus. Why gather? We have what others need. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of having the Holy Spirit in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. When we get comfortable in our own community, we can forget that we have what others need. And we gather because we have what others need. 
Matthew 28 says, go out into all the world and make disciples. That's what he's called us to do. As we told you, we moved to Adelaide. We sold up our place in the Northern Beaches. We bought during COVID uh, online, actually, funnily enough. Never actually seen the place before we bought it. And um, so, as you can imagine, there were a few surprises. The uh, real estate agent could amazingly only show us it. Well, it was, it was late. Let's just say it was dark outside. It was the only time he could conveniently show us. Um, on the photos was like rolling green grass out the back, out the front, some green strips, beautiful green grass. Did I mention green grass? Green. <laughs> yes, uh, there was anything but that. It was dirt and weeds, yay high, um, zero green grass. The other surprise that we got were uh, we have seven neighbours, seven, seven. Who's got a normal two here? Anyone, anyone? Yes, most of you. So we had seven neighbours, six of which are housing trust. So for us, we grew up in the northern beaches. Well, I grew up in northern beaches. It's a, you know, don't even lock your car, house type situation. You'll be safe. You'll be fine. Uh, not where we are. No. I can say it today because my children aren't here, but pro probably we bought in the dodgiest part of Seaton. <laughs> right? But it was a miracle we got this place. Like, I'm talking a miracle that we got this place. And so I knew that this is where God wanted us. It was so out of our comfort zone, but we knew that this is where God wanted us. And so I was like, all right, God, here I am. Send me. <laughs> and I prayed for opportunities every day. I pray now for opportunities every day to show people Jesus to love on people with kindness for no reason that they go, why are you doing this? Like, I'm not, why, what, what do you want? I'm like, oh, I don't want anything. I'm just being a neighbour. Like, this is what neighbours do. And they're like, oh. I'm watching people that have lived in the area for 20 years that have never spoken to each other because I'm starting to talk to everyone are starting to talk to each other and communicate. Like things are happening because I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and deciding, God, use me. And so I have this beautiful neighbour and, you know, we have different cultures all around us, mental health challenges, cycles of poverty through generations, but I know we are literally placed in the middle of it all, literally in the middle. Like we are like surrounded. <laughs> but God... And can I tell you the amazing learning opportunities it has been for my children. I've taught them how to call the police. <laughs> no joke. I've taught Carter, okay, you've got to know the crossroads. You've got to find out what that is. Any major like land things around you that can help the police. And he's like, cool, got it, mum. Like, and now we remove ourselves from the situation. <laughs> anyway. So I have this beautiful neighbour and his family next door. And when um, we first moved in, the kids would like pop over their little chins across the fence and wouldn't say a huge amount, but the cousins that would come, like this family does family well. Like I'm talking, there is always at least 15 kids that are there. And they come over, they're like, can we come over? I'm like, how many of you are there today? And they're like, only only 20. I'm like, oh, maybe not today. <laughs> but this beautiful family, 
I was like, okay, I really want to meet the parents. I've met the kids. I'm going to meet the parents. So I strategically did one of those accidental, I'll meet you at my letterbox by accident type meetings. Anyone else done them? No. Okay, try them. They're really great. Uh, so I saw her. She's come back across from Audi and I was like, yeah, cool, cool. I'll do this. So, And I went to like look up and she just saw me and was like, I'm like, cool, cool. That went really well. All right, next plan of action. <laughs> Two days later, Carter kicks his football over and, all right, God, there's my opportunity. I'm going to go. So I went over. I was so scared. Did I mention I was really scared? Like there have been times in other situations where I've called Nick and I'm like, um, babe, I know you're at work, but um, I'm, I'm going to go around to the back neighbor's house and I'm going to meet them. If I'm not back in 10 minutes, call the police. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being real, people, just being real. Anyway, so we went over and I decided, you know what, I'm going to talk to them, I'm going to love on them, I'm going to say hi, I'm going to praise them for their kids. And I tell you, the walls that came down as I started praising them for, for how they do family, for how they raise their boy. And we had a half an hour conversation. And since then, all I've tried to do is like love on them, share, you know, our marshmallows and sticks for their fire and gifts, things from my garden, clothes, just whatever I can, because I know that that's Jesus's language, generosity, love and kindness. And I'll tell you now, she's like across the road at Audi and she sees me, she's like, Stacey, she's like waving, like just so excited to see me, even when we drive, Stacey. You know, it's, it's the best. But I know it's because I stepped out and I was bold because I know I've got what she needs. She doesn't yet know. She knows what she wants, right? But she doesn't yet know that this is what she needs. She needs Jesus. So I encourage you, step out. Ask God to help you step out. So I'm just like trying to mid-cull because I know time. So I wanted to tell you one practical way. Matthew 7, so 7 verse 7 says, Ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. If you ask God for opportunities, he's going to give them to you. If you ask him for opportunities to love on people around you, he's going to give you opportunities. Why would he not? He loves people. He loves them so much. One practical way of showing people kindness is remembering people's names. So really practically this morning, I'm going to show you how to remember someone's name. Well, I think I've already showed you. I met Jessica and Michael out in Kids Church and little Aiden, little cutie who's pretending to be five but really three, right? <laughs> and Jessica, my new friend, and Diane. I'm remembering people's names because what I want to say to people is you're important. I see you. God sees you. So for the people around us, even if we meet them once or twice, but maybe we bump into them in the supermarket, like let's remember people's names. I go away and I'll write them down. I may only have to look at them once or twice, but then it's etched in here forever. Another way, another story around this, we have, as I said, um, all those families um, that come to next door, lots of cousins, like so many cousins, it's not funny. And um, they come over and, and they start calling Carter, my son, who's 11, avocado. I'm not sure how that stuck, but it stuck. So now they have shortened it to Cardo. <laughs> and so they call me Cardo's mum. And so they kept coming over. There's one particular kid. His name's Decky. He's the coolest kid. And he comes over and he's like, um, so like, 
um, can we come over? I'm like, you don't even know my name. And he's like, yeah, I do. I'm like, what is it? And he's like, uh, avocados, mum? I'm like, no, not going to cut it, mate. If you're going to come to my house, you've got to know my name. How, how are you going to tell your parents whose house you're at? We're just at avocados, mum's house. No, 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 you've got to know my name. All right. Why? Well, I know all your names. He's like, no, you don't. I was like, test me. <laughs> He's like, what's his name? I'm like, Kalen. What's my name? Decky or Dylan? What's his grandfather's name? Thinking of he's thrown me a curly. I'm like, Winnie. His dad's name's Timmy and his mum's name's Tracy. He's like, oh. What's his mum's name? I'm like, Elkin. What's his dad's name? He's like, just pull it off. I'm like, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And he's like, Oh, how do you know all that? Why do you know all that? I'm like, well, how does it make you feel when I remember your name? He's like, well, pretty good. I'm like, does it tell you you're important? Yeah. Well, I think every single one of you are important, so I remember your name. He's like, yeah, well, that's a good point. What's your name? <laughs> Stacy. He's like, how am I going to remember that? I was like, well, it's his mum's name, but with an S. He's like, mm, okay. Stacy, yes, Tracy. Uh, <laughs> and um, anyway, so then the next time I see him, I'm like, what's my name? He's like, Stacy. I'm like, yes, you did it. He's like, yeah. And then the next time, Stacy. I'm like, God, you are amazing. He's like, so proud of himself, right? Like, it's just the best. But now he just, he sees me and he's like, Stacy. But can I tell you what? that tells him when I have conversations with him is that God thinks that he's important. And I want to show people love and kindness. 1 Peter 1 verse, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, everything we need for life and godliness has already been given to us. So if God can remember names and he knows your name, then you also have the ability to be able to remember people's names. It's a beautiful gift to give people. Even people around you in your workplace, you don't have to know their name. But by knowing their name, it says volumes. It says kindness. It says love. And then they're going to have moments where they go, what, how, like there's something about you that's different. What is it? And you never know that could be the opportunity where you get to tell them about Jesus and what he's done in your world. You know, here this morning, I want to pray. Why don't we close our eyes where we are? Can I get the band back up? We're going to pray. There might be people here this morning and maybe you've come into this place. There are so many things that you want. You want that peace. You want joy. You want happiness. You want all these things. But you know what? I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is what you need. Jesus is what you need. He is all that you need. And maybe you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. Never asked Him to be your Lord and your Saviour. I'm going to give you an opportunity here in a moment where we pray a prayer that invites Him into your life. Maybe you're a second person here and you just, you feel a bit distant. Maybe COVID's been really challenging in being separated from people. And you just haven't really found how you fit back with God yet. Or maybe you grew up going to church, but there was never really that connection with Him this morning. Why don't you decide to come back close to Him this morning? Or maybe you also just need assurance. 
of your eternal salvation. That you know that you know that you know that Jesus paid the price for your sin. And as a result, you'll spend eternity in heaven with Him. But this morning, we're going to pray this prayer. And at the end, maybe you're online and you're watching. There's a little thing that you can click that someone can talk to you about following Jesus. But click that little button that says, yeah, that's me. I want to ask Jesus. But we're going to pray this together. Why don't you say this together with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Today, I choose Him. I ask Him to come into my life. I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong. I choose Your way, not my way, and help me to follow You. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank You, Lord. God, I thank You for the people that prayed that prayer today. Lord, may you seal it in their hearts. If that was you, I'm going to be waiting just at the front after the service. Just come up. So that was me. I'd love to give you a Bible and pray with you. Also just want to do one other thing before I close. If you're here and you've got young kids, like I'm talking seven and under, can you give me a little wave? Can you stand where you are? This is one thing I just felt to pray over this morning beautiful. I just want to pray over you. I want to honour you for bringing your family into the house of God because it's challenging. Like, let's be real. Some of us have had sleepless nights. Some of us, it's like trying to herd cats, getting your kids out the door. You know, one kid's missing a shoe. Hey, you're here, okay? And I want to honour you and applaud you and say, well done. You have no idea what you're doing in a really amazing way by bringing your kids into the house of God. I'm a product of that. My beautiful sister is also a product of that. We grew up in the house of God. Our parents bringing us into the house of God. But there was a point where we had to choose Jesus for ourselves. But what you guys are doing is you're setting your kids up in the best possible way. So I just want to pray a blessing over you. Lord, I thank you for all these families that have brought kids here today. Lord, I thank You that You see their sacrifice. You see the things that go on in their world. And Lord, the things that are hard and challenging. Father, I pray that You put Your grace upon us as parents. Help us on Sundays where it seems like it is the most difficult day to get anything done in getting our kids into the house of God. But Lord, I thank You. I thank You, Lord, that You bless our families here. Jesus, we love You. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know, this morning, if you feeling that tug on your heart to want to step out and show kindness to those around you with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you really want to say, you know what, Stace, that touched my heart this morning. I hear God tapping on my heart saying, you know what, I need to reach out more. Maybe you already do it, but you want to see more people come to know Jesus. Bring them into this house because you have what they need. I just want you to raise up your hand where you are. and I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for all these people that have responded to you this morning. Lord, I thank you.
that You have called them for such a time as this, to be uniquely positioned in the families they are, the neighbourhoods they are, the workplaces they are. I pray, Lord, that Your hand is upon them. You give them eyes to see that which You need them to see and ears to hear that which You need them to hear, Lord. Give them boldness. God, show them Your kindness so that they can show them to others. Lord, we love You. In the most wonderful and mighty name of Jesus, we all said, Amen. Amen.